Welcome to Daring to Be Happy with Leela B, the podcast that invites you to show up, play big, be courageous, and inspire you that through meditation you can find peace and live happy. Hi, I'm your host, Leela B, and yes, I really am a modern day monk, but to be honest, I'm not all that different from you. I'm still subjected to the chaos that's part of a busy life and world. I'm far from perfect and I've got plenty of issues, but I've found a way to be happy anyway. So welcome to Daring to be Happy. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. As a listener of Daring to be Happy, you can get one free book in the first 30 days for free. Go to leelab.life forward slash audible to start your free 30 day trial. In this episode of Daring to be Happy, I'm very delighted to welcome to the show Sally Lewis, who has been a businesswoman for over 30 years and an Ashaya monk for the past nine years. Her diverse background allows her to approach consciousness and spirituality in a down-to-earth manner, and her latest consciousness project is a documentary called A Mindful Choice, a film showing the impact that one person choosing for peace can have on those around them and their community. So welcome, Sally. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Awesome. So, so good to have you. Why don't you start off very briefly telling us a little bit um, just about the film? Great. I would love to. So my partner, Greg Hopkinson, and I, we decided that uh, really not everyone wanted to learn to meditate because uh, we are a Shah monks and we do teach a meditation technique. But we really wanted to reach as many people as possible and actually just plant the seed of possibility that peace might be possible. Possible for them and possible for their communities and, you know, eventually possible for humanity. And I know that there was a time in my life when I didn't think that was true. I didn't think that peace and contentment for myself was possible at all. So we really wanted to go out and show people who were choosing for peace in their lives. And not only peace, but actually happiness as well and choosing for love um, and finding a way to do that. And so we really just wanted to inspire people to um, know that there's a choice and know that if they really are motivated to move towards their own happiness and peace in their lives, then kind of doors start to unfold, um, opportunities present themselves for them to experience that. Um, and I think once you've split the road, you know, one road creates a bit of pain and suffering for ourselves in our lives and there's lack, or a road that's happy and peaceful and, and calm and, and invigorating, then I think it's very hard to kind of walk that other path. And we tend to sort of start looking over the fence and wondering how we can actually achieve our goals. So yeah, that was the reason for, for doing it. And it's had a great impact um, around the world. It's in 11 languages, which we're very thrilled um, about. And it's really just having a profound impact on um, everyday people right through to prisoners in, um, in prison, uh, children, you name it. Uh, I think there's something in the film for everyone. Amazing. So what was the thing that got you started in meditation in the first place? Meditation. Well, I'm, I'm now 58, so I was a bit of a slow starter in terms of wanting peace for myself and knowing that it was possible. Um, I'd always been very driven in life. I'd, I'd got a good education. I'd um, wanted to achieve lots of things. I was very project-driven. Um, I did become a businesswoman in uh, merchant banking for a number of years. And I realized sort of getting towards the end of my 20s that I didn't know how to slow down anymore. 
I was actually becoming very stressed. Mm-hmm. I was always looking for my happiness in the next project that I did. And that and, and really I was starting to notice that physically I was getting stressed and tired and leading to illness and, and depression. Um, and so in my late 20s, early 30s, I decided I was going to give that life up. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted a slower pace of life. And I thought that's how I was going to get my peace and my happiness and my contentment. And so I, uh, I did. I had a sort of a few months off and then I started planning the next business I was going to create. Um, and it, I did become self-employed, but I was always looking for the next buzz, really. Um, and so I started a lot of businesses. I even started renovating houses. My husband and I would renovate properties. And that was another way for me to get my buzz, mm-hmm. um, to really feel as though I was achieving something in life and that I was successful, all those sort of labels we put on ourselves. And it didn't take me too long. Well, it did really. It took me about eight or nine years to realize that that actually wasn't bringing me any closer to my, to my goal. In fact, I was starting to, again, experience that stress. And I really got an inkling, I suppose, when I was just not long after turning 40, my husband and I split up. And we didn't have any children, so it was an amicable thing. But what I'd noticed was that, that I'd just lost me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember who that vibrant young 20-year-old was that had started out, you know, with the excitement of living and the excitement of, of well, really the fearlessness, not being afraid of trying new things. I kind of felt like my, my world was getting a lot more limited. I was living in a smaller and smaller box. And... Um, so for me, really, my marriage breakup was a great opportunity to, that old cliche, go and find myself. <laughs> but it really was true for me. It was like there was another woman living inside of me that always seemed to be critical, um, always wanted me to do better. I wasn't good enough. You know, I, could, I can still hear her parroting on. And I remember going away on holiday once. I thought, right, I'll leave my mind at home. I'll take a week off work and I'll go on holiday. And I'll just experience this peace that I want. And of course, you know what happened? The voice came with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the chatter came with me. So I realized then that I really had to do something. And, and I tried a psychologist who was great. She sort of got me to understand my past more, let go of that. Mm-hmm. I then did a lot of self-help courses, um, which were great. They sort of got me to understand myself a little more. And I read a lot of books. And they were very helpful. But there was always always a point that I got to that this little voice would say, but you haven't found what you're looking for. You haven't found that missing piece of me. And it wasn't until someone said, why don't you go along and learn to meditate? These, these ascension meditation techniques are amazing. And that definitely wasn't for me. It's mm-hmm. like meditation. I can't close my eyes for one minute and have peace, let alone you know 20 minutes or whatever they were saying. But I saw, but the person who was telling me to go and learn these techniques was was actually my partner now, um, and I'd seen the change in him. I'd seen how he was approaching life differently. And one of the most amazing things he said to me was, Sal, you've got to stop reading about this um, peace or this enlightenment or this present moment, and you've got to start experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, ding, <laughs> the light bulb went off. I, of course, I I'm, I'm keep reading about the present moment. I keep wanting it. I'm playing with all these ways of trying to experience it, but I wasn't experiencing it. It was just a concept for me. Mm. So, yeah, it was a great gift to, to go along and, and realize that they weren't all hippies. 
they were um, on the course. They were normal people. Um, and it was then that I realized that actually everyone wants the same thing. You know, everyone there wanted peace. They wanted contentment. They wanted happiness. And, uh, and they wanted love in their lives. They wanted to love themselves. Um, and that was something that I kind of hadn't even really identified, that I wanted to love myself completely so that I could experience that on the outside. Wow, that's amazing. And I love what you said about, you know, all the personal development and the self-help and understanding the concept of enlightenment, if you like. Or sometimes I know we joke about it being like mentally enlightened and but not actually having the experience or knowing, living the experience. Yeah, it was like, oh, it's such a concept for me. I was desperate to be enlightened sometime <laughs> in the future when I was good enough or when things had unfolded enough. Crazy, isn't it? How we postpone all those things when we can have them now. Yeah, yeah. You learned to meditate. Was it an instant recognition of that this was going to be the thing? Or did it take a little bit longer to kind of start to show up its impact in your life? Mm -hmm. It's a good question, actually. No, for me, I was a cynic. I was very skeptical. Mm -hmm. um, and it was too easy. What they were telling me to do was far too easy to work because one of my little ideas was that uh, anything good in life's hard. You've got to work at it. You've got to learn about it. You've got to understand it. You've got to apply it. You've got to analyze it. <laughs> it was tiring. Um, but that's, that was my initial approach to meditation. Um, because I was very much perfectionist, so I wanted to do it perfectly. And to be honest, I wanted to do it better than anybody else. I was very competitive. Um, but the interesting thing was, on the Friday night, they, it was only the introduction and I got the first technique, and driving home on the Friday night, I couldn't believe how sparkly all the streetlights were. I couldn't believe how my body felt calmer. Um, how I was just more attentive, how I was actually seeing things for the first time. And yet I, my mind told me, that's, that's nothing really. It's, that, it's not that easy. You've got to do some more work. So no, I, I was one of those people who sort of tried to figure it out for a long time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even the following week, I, I had these techniques and I started using them because I was going to do it, be a good girl and use them mm -hmm. and use them as they told us to. And, you know, even in the first week, what I noticed was that my my mouth was sore. I was smiling more. Um, I was interacting with people differently. I was having more fun. And that was only two days, you know, a day after the, the weekend course. Wow. So what I got to see over time was that oh, I have to give up trying to figure it out. It's just working. If I do it, it works. If I don't do it, it doesn't work. And really now I appreciate that so much, that, that simplicity, because yeah, that good things in life don't need to be hard, actually. It's, um, it's the simplest thing in the world to be present if you've got the right tool. Uh, so, yeah, when I, when I teach now, it's like one thing I just try and convey to people is, um, you know, my experience of making it hard. And if I can just make it a little bit easier for them to understand that it's not about learning anything, it's just about experiencing something, um, you know, then I feel my job's done. Mm -hmm. So are you the best meditator you know? <laughs> well I do it perfectly and <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I'm pleased I've given that up. I used to think being a perfectionist and a control freak and, you know, analytical and all that, they were really bad traits. They were sort of something I wasn't proud of. Mm -hmm. But actually, um, meditating now, I realize that I am really efficient. I do get things done very quickly. I love projects. I love achieving things. But I do it from the present moment. Mm -hmm. And that's the huge difference from for me. I'm not postponing anything anymore. I... I suppose for me, when I learned to meditate, I thought I would have to, you know, give all my money away. I'd have to wear hippie clothes. I would have to not be me. Um, and I would be a zombie sitting on the top of a mountain kind of thing. I mean, this is how crazy my mind was. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it actually did is it, it revealed the real me. And I love the real me. The real me is joyous. She's loving. She loves herself. She's She loves everything that she comes across. You know, it's it was so amazing to see the joy come back into my life. Um, it was kind of in my 40s I really had felt like the joy had been sucked out of life. And I could see myself going to getting to 60. I remember thinking one day in my mid-40s, oh, you'll be right. Once you get to 60, you can retire and you can relax then. You'll be at peace. And I, was, I started laughing because I was so shocked to hear that little voice in my head telling me that. And really, that was my wake-up call. It was like, I have to do something about this. I don't want to wait that long. Because I could actually see it wasn't true. I'd get to 60 and I'd be living in an even smaller box. Um, so that was, it really, for me, meditation broke me out of my limitations, you know. Broke me out of that little wee box I'd started to live in that was just full of fear. It wasn't fun. Um, it was so limiting. Sort of, you know, when they say, step out of your comfort zone. Well, I was, I was losing my ability to do that. Whereas I'd loved that when I'd been in my 20s. Mm. I'd feel the fear and do it anyway mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's brought me so many wonderful things. Yeah, and I'm so glad you said that about the fact that you didn't become a zombie because that's often yeah. Um, really, yeah, kind of genuine concern that I know my students have expressed and trying to get their head around, yeah, like the idea of letting go of control and the fear that that means letting go of them rather than actually getting into it and experiencing and discovering that actually the meditation is going to, it, it's, it kind of lets go all the, the bad parts and enhances all the, all the good stuff in you. Yeah, for sure. And, and, that, and it can be strong. Like my ego was very, very strong. Mm-hmm. It had a set of rules and regulations. Um, and I think it really came from when I was around 10, my brother died in a car accident. And I didn't know I did this at the time, but reflecting back, I can see it quite clearly that I went from feeling a connection to everything, feeling joyous, you know, having the most magical childhood, to suddenly thinking that I'm alone and I need to keep my world safe. And I think that's where my control started, that I didn't want to see myself in pain and I didn't want to see others in pain. And so I I became a very quiet teenager. I was never wanting to rock the boat. I I suppose I developed strategies to keep myself safe Mm -hmm. um, and to keep the world at bay, really. I didn't want to give away my love. I didn't want to be rejected. Um, You know, that old old song, that love hurts, Mm -hmm. and, and really that probably was the way I lived my life that it did and I needed to keep myself under control and make sure that I was always looking out for anything that might go wrong or 
relationships, I was always looking for someone to reject me, you know, so I'd get out first without having the pain of rejection. So it's kind of a crazy way to live. And, and I think it just became very noticeable that that's how I was living my life in my 40s. Um, and to let go of control has given me the freedom to return to that innocence of that child, you know, to actually feel safe in the world, not to fear things anymore. It doesn't mean I don't, you know, the fight or flight instinct is there. If I get into a situation where I need to remove myself, I'm not going to be stupid and love every, you know, and, and not react to that. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was actually just feeling like I was part of the world instead of feeling like I was a on my own little island separate from it. Mm. But it did take courage at times because I needed to let go of my limiting ideas about myself. But after a while, it became the most exciting game to do that because I got to see on the other side of letting go was the most magical, you know, opening up of possibility and, and, and really living and then living my purpose. And that purpose has led you to creating a documentary. It has indeed, and becoming an Ashar monk. So if anyone had said to me 10 years ago, you're going to be an Ashar monk living in the mountains uh, with a gorgeous man who I love dearly, uh, and you're going to make a documentary film, I would have said, I'm sorry, you're talking about someone else. That's <laughs> not me. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm pleased I've let go of control because that is just so magical. Mm. It is pure magic to me. Yeah. Cool. So how did the documentary start? So to go right back to the beginning, um, my partner Greg, who I've spoken about, um, he actually wrote a book. He wrote a memoir called Boundless, A Wayward Entrepreneur's mm -hmm. Search for Peace. And that was probably about four years ago he released that. And again, he just, he'd had a pretty hard living life. Um, and he really just wanted to show people that, again, peace was possible change was possible if you really desired it enough and uh, he was living a fairly torturous life he'd nearly been killed in an avalanche so he had experienced this profound peace beyond comprehension um, and he really had gone out to search for it and find it in his day-to-day -day life so he had the crazy idea that earning a lot of money and retiring early was going to bring him that peace that experience um, and as you can probably imagine, it didn't. Uh, he got more and more stressed and, uh, and realized that he was moving further away from what he wanted. So he, again, learned these techniques, the ascension meditation, and he, um, he just knew he'd found the experience that he'd had in the avalanche. And from there, he committed to becoming a monk as well. And he really, again, wanted to just plant that seed of possibility that peace was possible. And the book's done amazingly well. It, it has gone around the world. Um, it's sold very well. And a lot of people say, well, if he can change, anyone can change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and sort of he's been an inspiration, particularly for men, mm -hmm. um, because a lot of men see similarities in themselves when they're reading his book. And they may be, you know, 20 years younger and they just thank him for actually showing them that they've got a choice mm -hmm. to live a different way of life. Um, and then from there, really, we, we, um, both being business people, we were sitting there one day and thinking, no, we're not reaching enough people. We've got to do some more. And so we were talking to a director friend of ours and he said, well, why don't, you know, we were thinking of making a TV series. Let's show people before they learn to meditate, during and after. Yeah. And our film director friend said, well, probably it won't fly. It hasn't got enough sex and drama in it. <laughs> so we kind of laughed and went, yeah, he's probably right. 
people will find it too boring. But he did suggest a documentary, and it's something we'd been thinking of. So we went out to our colleagues around the world asking for interesting stories, and we were absolutely blown away with what we got back. Um, one story in particular is in Mexico, and it's based in a Mexican prison. Uh, and a Mexican prison where it was the most violent prison in, in Mexico in 2012. Uh, numerous people had been killed in a number of riots. And one of our Ascension teachers had gone in there and had started teaching meditation. And within, actually she'd only been teaching there about five or six months before we arrived with the film crew. And it was amazing. We, we got in there, we meditated with 200 prisoners um, in a huge auditorium and before sort of factions in the in the prison had never come together before. They were sort of like rival gangs, mm -hmm. rival cartels. And it was absolutely profound to interview these guys who could experience peace, you know, pretty instantly. Um, and just to see, for them, the guards had seen the change in the prisoners, so they wanted to learn. And then the administrators had seen the change in the guards and the prisoners, and they wanted to learn. And so the whole community was starting to change because a lot of these men are interested in their own peace, but they're very interested in their children's peace and their family and their community's peace. And they're ready for change. Um, and we went into a foster school in Mexico as well, which was, I have to say, one of my most joyous days. I actually thought it was going to be very difficult to see these kids who come from very difficult backgrounds um, but they're using the techniques as well, and they were the most joyous children I've ever seen, aged from about 6 to 18, all looking after each other, all interacting, and having a tool to disengage their, you know, to still acknowledge their past, but not have to be caught up in it and live into, you know, be able to live into a new future, which was profound. I mean, that was the day where I really got to see that peace is possible, and it's happening now. It's not some future concept. Um, it's possible now. And we, we had ordinary stories through the film. Um, a lovely dear friend of ours who had cancer um, and has since passed away. But for her to articulate her experience of life through that experience um, and to have a life of joy and connection through that um, has helped so many people. Um, we've had many people tell us that it's changed their experience of, of their health difficulties as well. Um, and, of course, Greg and I are in the film. We weren't planning to be, but um, our stories are in there kind of as the common thread just to tie all the stories together. Um, but, yeah, there's there's some amazing stuff in there. Uh, so we're very pleased to be able to showcase it. Um, and, actually, it was interesting. Some people were sort of saying it doesn't seem like a film about meditation because you've got people in there with drug addictions, you've got prisoners, all these sorts of things. And, and someone even said, well, you've actually got a bit much, you know, of, of that stuff and we said well how many people look for peace and alcohol and drugs and and different yeah. things you know it's like well actually that's a large proportion of people mm. are looking in those places for for their peace and contentment and so if we can show them there's a different way just by showing someone transcend that uh, and actually it was interesting one of the guys in the film an English guy had drug difficulties and he was saying that uh it's really only until you're ready, you know, you're sick enough of the behavior that you've been doing that you really want change, you're 100% 100 committed to change, that actually things start to change. 
and opportunities come. You know, as he said, he didn't know how he was going to do it, but he knew he, he had to do it. Mm. Um, and that's a really inspiring story. Yeah, no, and it's, it is, even though I've seen the film multiple times, hearing you talk about it is giving me goosebumps. And I love what you said about, you know, the joy you, the joy that I saw you experiencing in the foster school, in the film, um, yeah, it was amazing. It looked like you were just having the best time ever. Yeah, which is sort of crazy, isn't it? But it, it was infectious. Mm. Um, and we've had people go into that foster school since, not knowing that meditation has been taught there. And they just, they come away going, what's, what's happened? <laughs> what, what are these kids doing? Because they see the contrast. Mm. Um, and it's really hard for people to comprehend that those kids can leave their past as the past and, and move into a new future. Mm. And, and also all credit to the teachers and the administration in that school because they're all on board. Um, it was their drive to change their lives individually that then brought ascension into the schools um and so yeah we've all got our part to play mm. and that's what i love that's what i see the film bringing is the community aspect mm -hmm. that it's just we have to choose for our own peace and contentment and happiness first but the ripple effect the roll-on effect from that is huge in, in more ways than we can possibly ever imagine mm. and it's huge even if for the individual making that choice that mindful choice uh like it doesn't mean necessarily mean everyone else around them is going to get on board but that they can still have an impact yes and and people don't tend to believe that at the beginning i don't think mm. i did but that's what i experienced when i started to use the techniques and we actually taught greg and i taught a course here last weekend and that's what people were starting to discover mm -hmm. you know even in a couple of days of just using the techniques wow. um which, yeah, it's, it's absolute, absolutely amazing um, that that change could be possible. And, and a lot of people say, oh, I want everyone else to learn these techniques. But it's like, no, just choose for yourself first and, and walk a different path yourself and see what, what the outcome is. Um, yeah, it can be life-changing, as mm -hmm. they say. <laughs> so what was, the, um, what was the biggest thing that you learned or discovered? as a result of this project? I think for me that anything's possible now. Um, I never dreamed I could make a documentary for mm -hmm. a start. I think if we'd ever had a doubt thought at the beginning, we would have stopped in our tracks. If we'd tried to go into the future and plan it all, we wouldn't have started. Uh, so all we did was a commitment to helping raise consciousness on the planet, and we allowed ourselves to just surrender how that was going to look um, whether the documentary got made or not was never in our minds we just knew we had to put one foot in front of the other until whatever was going to manifest you know was complete um, which kind of mind-boggling when we released the film we sort of sat back and we found that it was going out all around the world and people were picking it up the distributor and things and it was like oh my goodness. we both looked at each other and went what on earth did we think we were doing <laughs> when we started this project? We never had a doubt thought that it wasn't going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And, like, that was never how I lived my life. So it's, it's just been the most magical thing to not only show us what's possible but show other people 
you know, it allowed them to see that possibility. Um, and we're reaching a lot of people um, who see the film. They're making different choices, even if it's, we heard of someone the other day who had just seen the film and he's decided that he's, he hasn't enjoyed his job for the last 20 years and he's made a choice to do something different and another job manifests and he's off and he's doing something that he really loves to do. Um, if people watch the film and they just choose to go and walk in nature more or do the things they love, then it's a win for us. We realize, again, not everyone's going to learn to meditate, but they, we can all walk towards our own happiness, however that looks. Um, so, yeah, that really excites us, very much so. Gets us out of bed in the morning. <laughs> Amazing. Now I want to ask you some playful questions. Alrighty. So this is just some fun kind of, some are silly, some are serious, but it's just how we get to know you better. Question number one is, what's your favorite food? Oh, I love food, full stop. Um, my favorite food would be a really well-cooked T-bone steak. There you go. And Greg cooks very good T-bone steaks. So that would be my favorite. Awesome. And, and lots of flavorsome herbs and yeah. stuff like that. Great. Awesome. And I love it. Like it also is uh, continuing to dispel the, um, the, the perception that all monks are vegetarian. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I don't think I could ever do that. Um, yeah. And I love cooking. I, it's my creative side. Mm -hmm. um, so I just love being adventurous with food, trying out any, anything and everything that I can. Yeah. And what's your favorite conscious <laughs> book or movie? <laughs> I just saw that. I thought, huh? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I would have to say, after a lot of thought, a mindful choice. <laughs> of course. <laughs> for a film. And Boundless mm -hmm. by Greg Hopkinson is my favorite book. Of course. Book. <laughs> <laughs> of course. What else could I say? Any other um, books that have had. Because you said you earlier that you did read a lot of books. Is there any one in particular that had like a, a really kind of profound impact on you? Mm. I would have to say Eckhart Tolle's a power, yeah. The Power of Now. Uh, that was probably one of my most pivotal times was to read about this mm -hmm. present moment um, and to really go, yeah, that's yeah. what I want. You know, it all, it all made sense. I was aware enough of my past and future thinking that I knew if I could just stay still here, um, then that's where all the good stuff mm -hmm. in life was. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was definitely, um, again, planting that seed that, um, yeah, well, I, I kind of know what I want. Um, just for me, eventually, though, it was I needed a tool to experience that mm -hmm. more fully than trying to do it by staring at something or, um, you know, I tried a few tools of trying to be mm -hmm. present, but the trying was the key word. Um, I needed to just find a way to experience it. Yeah. Great. And what's your favorite place in the world? New Zealand. <laughs> I come from New Zealand. Um, and for me, the mountains. We live in a beautiful little village called Castle Hill um, in New Zealand. And it's in the Southern Alps in the South Island. And it is the, oh, it's just it's so magical, to, so magical to be so close to nature and just the raw aspects of nature you know the seasons and the winds and the snow and and we've just had snow a couple of days ago um and uh 
absolutely magical with the bird life and everything that's yeah. here. Yeah, and I know you've got a beautiful, beautiful home there that I am yet to visit, but I must do that soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we love it up here. And we love the fact people come here um, for workshop days or retreats or courses and there's just an instant, you know, when you're in nature, you just can't help but fall mm. into that, you know, mm. that peace. Um, and we're so far, you know, in, in the mountains that people just experience that yeah. straight away, which is yeah. wonderful. Awesome. So what brings you joy? Oh, this might sound corny, but everything now, <laughs> everything, um, the silliest little things. Um, and, you know, that's a huge contrast for me because nothing brought me joy wow. 10 years ago. Um, so, yeah, to smile, just to, it just brings me smile, to, you know, just brings me joy just yeah. to be. Yeah. I know it sounds very yeah. simple, but, um, and so whatever comes to me, I can appreciate and enjoy. Yeah. So, yeah, no control is, is probably one of my greatest gifts. Thank goodness that's gone. <laughs> Uh, and so what still trips you up? What can still catch you out and you can find um, yourself kind of grinding on? Yeah. Um, wanting anything to be different than it is mm -hmm. right now. Um, and I know I actually had an experience of that earlier today where we've been working on something and and it's been an issue that, needs to be resolved but it's taking far longer than my mind mm -hmm. would want it to take and today yeah there was just this grabbing of I just want this done don't want to do this you know instead of taking action right now to actually progress it it was like no I, I want it finished <laughs> and, um, so that still every now and again grabs me as um, yeah just wanting something to hurry up that's probably a better way of putting it is um, I have an idea and a desire and I just kind of want it done a little earlier than, than the universe wants to mm -hmm. deliver it. And I, I should have been called the goddess of patience because I really need to master that. <laughs> yeah, not terribly patient at times. <laughs> so what does your um, goddess name mean? Uh, Aditi is my Ashaya name and it means the goddess of infinity, the goddess of the unbounded and the mother of all gods which I love because I didn't end up having any children, but I knew there were lots out there somewhere. So, And actually, because I haven't been a mother, I love, I love teaching children and teenagers these techniques, the meditation, um, because I suppose I haven't, you know, I've always been a child. I, I haven't progressed into being a mother or uh, if you can kind of understand that, that idea. Um, and I just love their innocence that they've never really left the present moment. And so to go back and play in their mm -hmm. arena um, is always, yeah, just something very special for me. And that they remember it so easily, that they've only just started to move away from it, you know, getting caught up in their thinking or their thoughts, and knowing that there's a real choice still there. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, definitely. What's the greatest kind of thing that meditation has given you oh so many things um mm -hmm. self-love I would say yeah. is my ultimate um 
and uh, yeah, revealing the the true me, um, and giving me that connection back again uh, to feel part of humanity, to feel part of everything now instead of um, sitting on the sideline watching. That'd probably be my two greatest gifts, and to have a a relationship that I have now with Greg. Um, it was kind of I didn't think it was ever possible for me to to live un to love unconditionally to to love another human being unconditionally, and uh, you know for that to be delivered to me is yeah is, is magic is like the icing on the cake, as they say. So how is that relationship different to the ones in the past that you've had? Well, I suppose for me, because Greg and I had gone out for a year before we mm. learned to meditate. We showed each other how dysfunctional we were in relationships. Um, for me, I very much got to see my behavior patterns around it. How I was gonna, I was always looking for an out. I never trusted the relationship. I always was looking for rejection and so forth. And so when we got back together about four years later, when we were meditating, it was like chalk and cheese for me. It's like there was no baggage around him. Because um, I always wanted to fix him, he was always doing things that I didn't agree with, or you know I wanted mm -hmm. to control him. And so I kept saying to him, "There's no, gosh, there's no baggage. You've got, you know, you just I can just enjoy you right now in this moment." And I wasn't afraid of of what happens to us next week or next month or next year. Um, and I think that was the huge thing for me: the fear out of relationships had gone, had dissolved. And so I could openly give myself, give and receive love openly. And while that just for me was my incentive to, you know, just want more of that experience as well, it's like to be able to live freely with another human being without having to have any conditions on it um, or fear mm -hmm. of loss is, yeah, something I'd only ever dreamed of. So I'm very lucky, very, very lucky yeah, to have found are. them. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how it's related, but actually just what's kind of popped into my head is going back to the movie and the prisoners in the movie. One of the things that I know that I found kind of so impactful was when I was watching the, the, the guys in the Mexican prison talk about meditation and talk about their experience and just seeing them as really genuine human people to to be where they were in a maximum security prison who knows what kind of life they had led and what things they had done to get themselves in that position but when you saw them talking about meditation one like for me there was no judgment of that but they just looked like really human people <laughs> I don't know if I, there's a better way to put it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to describe, isn't it? It's almost an experience you've got to have with them when you're there with them or seeing mm. them on the screen. The mind has trouble comprehending it because there should be judgment mm. there. There should be, you know, that's what the mind says. It's um, they have done wrong. They have got a past. Um, but part of, you know, our Ashar teaching is that no matter what past you've had, whether it's been full of purity or impurity, Everyone deserves to experience their true nature. And their true nature of anybody on the planet is one of peace, joy, and love. And that's where we started. That's how we started as, mm -hmm. as babies. That's what 
the experience, the internal experience we were born into was one of peace, joy and love. Maybe not the outside experience uh, or the conditions that we were born into, but uh, that's our purest state. And I've been had the pleasure of or the honour of teaching in a prison in New Zealand in the last few weeks. And again, to actually see these guys as whole. Um, who, and they're ready. They are ready to experience their true nature. Um, and for a lot of them, they've never experienced love on the outside of themselves. They've never experienced joy or peace. It's been mental torture for them most of their lives. And we actually had one prisoner who's been in prison for most of his life who actually, after learning these techniques, said, thanked us and said that um, he'd been in two prisons all his life, one a physical prison and one a mental prison, which was far more secure than any maximum security prison could ever be in the world. Um, and he thanked the teachers for actually allowing him to step out of one prison, wow. mental prison, so that he was able to step out of the physical prison. And, you know, and that's everything, because it's not just his life that he's impacting by doing that. He's impacting on his family, on, his, on the other prisoners who can see, give them hope. They can actually see that there is hope for them as well to mm. experience peace. Um, and for them and their families and their communities to live into a new future. Because we've got to do something about the, the incarceration rates in New Zealand. It's crazy how many people are in prison here. For a country where we say we're clean and green and beautiful, um, which we are, but we've got to do something at the grassroots to, um, you know, to change the way we are. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, they, and it takes courage for these guys to I do it. it too. Yeah, it's not a macho, <laughs> not seen as the most macho course to do in a prison or anywhere, um, a meditation course. So, yeah, they're, they're very courageous and they're doing well. Yeah, great. And I love, yeah, we're all actually living in a mental prison so we're kind of meditations helping us all escape from prison <laughs> yeah it is it, when you look at it that yeah. way yep it absolutely is i mean i was gosh i and it's only when we become aware that we are that those voices in our head are dominating our experience of life that we either choose to walk a different way yeah walk towards happiness that's what I would say to anybody is find a way to walk towards your happiness and know it's possible and everything will be delivered. If you're 100% committed to that, everything will be delivered for you to experience it. Um, sometimes it's not comfortable because we have to make some hard choices, but, um, but it's so worth it in the end. Yeah, absolutely. What's the, um, what would be your parting piece of wisdom? for anyone who wants to learn more about who they really are and yeah and then maybe how how do we access the movie right my wisdom goodness um i suppose it's the the core thing around the film and the book is choose for peace your inner own inner peace choose for your own happiness no matter where we ask it around the world the things that people want most for themselves is peace, joy, mm -hmm. love, and happiness. Um, and so, yeah, if I could just give anyone some hope <laughs> or just plant the seed that peace is possible for them, then even if you don't believe me, just 
start walking towards it. Start actually, even if you read a book, even if you spend more time in nature, um, if you spend more time doing the things you love rather than the things you don't love, they're all profound in terms of walking you in the right direction. So, yeah, that would be my, my tip for anyone anyway. And if anyone would like to watch the film, better get a plug-in for that, hadn't I? Um, so if you're interested in watching the film, you can stream it or download it at www.choicethefilm.com. Um, and if you would like to read Greg's book called Boundless, then that's also um, on the website, choicethefilm.com. Um, you can access it there. And we've also got lots of free material on um, the Boundless website, which is www.boundless.info. And if you go there, there's lots of little two or three minute videos that are absolutely free that just give you little tips and, yeah, just to invigorate your life really and have fun. Mm, have yeah, fun they're great. It. And also what I love is you've recently very generously released um, kind of a whole lot of mini movies. Yes, we're very excited about that because we took so much footage when we were filming for the documentary that we couldn't fit into the main film. So we have 11 short films that we've made. They're probably about seven or eight minutes long. And they're of just amazing individuals or groups of individuals that uh, we couldn't fit into the main film. There's a woman talking about um, her, she was adopted when she was about six months old. So her journey through life looking for her birth mother and thinking that that was going to give her a lot of happiness and peace and realizing that uh, that wasn't where she was going to find it there's a woman who's overcome anorexia there's a film actually a really neat short film on creativity some young guys in England who are musicians um, a trumpet player in uh, Mexico lined up with um, a few other people who are just doing what they love oh a ballerina in Cuba as well we went to the Cuban oh, wow. National Ballet School um, a little ballerina who is actually just uh, dancing better because she's using these meditation cool. techniques. So they're really fun yeah. um, and inspiring, inspiring um, uh, short films. So, yes, and they're free to stream on YouTube. Um, cool, yeah, no, we'll definitely we'll include all the links um, to all those resources on the show notes. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Well, no, thank you. It's been so good to catch up and to learn more about your backstory and also how this whole amazing Mindful Choice documentary was created. Uh, <laughs> if I may have permission to go into the future for a moment. <laughs> what, like after creating this documentary, what, what are you going to do next? Have a rest <laughs> until our next project manifests. Do you sense there will be something? You know, Greg and I have been business people for our whole life. So our main focus now is consciousness projects. So we're open and willing to, yep, to experience the next thing that comes along. Um, so let's see. Watch this space. Yeah, I'll come back if we make something else. Yeah, awesome. Well, that would be amazing. Sally, I just want to finish by praising you. And praising you for, yeah, your real dedication to not only your own peace, but for, you know, this huge effort in terms of wanting to improve the lives and peace 
and consciousness for everyone else around you. Making a documentary is no small feat. I know this. I mean, I don't know how to do it, but I know that much, that it's a huge amount of work. And and that that takes real dedication and real commitment. So I want to praise you for all of those, for those qualities. And also just for your friendship and your mentorship. You were one of the first New Zealand meditation teachers that I had the the pleasure of meeting, even though it was actually over here in Spain. And, you know, your guidance has always been um, brilliant and your caring and loving nature has always been so appreciated. So thank you so much for, for joining the show with me today. Thank you, Leela. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I love what you're doing with your podcasts. I just love you that you're reaching so many people um, and spreading the word. Yeah, again, that piece is possible. So Yeah, well, I think I took my inspiration from you, definitely, and, uh, and thought, you know, if you can do something, then so can I. Fantastic. Yeah, thank and you. well done. Cool. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so delighted to have had Sally on the show and help her spread and share her message that peace is possible for anyone. Don't forget to check out A Mindful Choice, which is available to rent or buy at choicethefilm.com and you can find over two hours of additional free videos on YouTube by following the pretty link leelab.life forward slash more. So once again, thank you for tuning in and I praise you for your willingness to show up, play big, be courageous, find peace and live happy.